0: Once again, we'd like to welcome you to this broadcast of a sermon from Cornerbrook Baptist Church. I'm Calvin Andrews, and it's my delight to be here week after week now in this new way of meeting. Not our preferred method of meeting, but certainly the way we must in order to halt the spread of COVID-19 and to deal with its realities as a church. I want to thank Cornerbrook Baptist uh, and all of its people for the way that you faithfully have come on side with this manner of meeting, and with the way you continue to support this church and its people through this period of time. this This is our Palm Sunday message. I've entitled it, The Last Ride, and my title is more common than you might expect. It's a website, if you look at the words, The Last Ride, it's a website, where cow- cowboys who are leaving the ranch for the great roundup in the sky can pre select a unique type of casket or coffin. I know it sounds a little bit macabre. Not to be outdone, The Last Ride is also a unique funeral service for bikers, complete with a hearse that is drawn by motorcycles. The Last Ride was also a deal that Apple Computers made with Lance Armstrong. Remember that name? during his last Tour de France ride. I recall taking my last ride on the Newfie Bullet. And for you younger people, who probably only know of that historically, it was an old express train operated by Canadian National Railways, for whom I used to work, or its, uh, its successor, Terra Transport. But the last ride I want to talk about today is the last ride of a king. If the life of Jesus were set to a great dramatic presentation, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem would set the scene for the last act. The Passover season was upon them, and it was a time for Jews to gather in Jerusalem. Every Jewish male within 20 miles of the holy city was expected to be there. For every 10 people that came, one lamb had to be sacrificed. A census done just after the time of Christ estimated that close to a quarter million lambs could have been sacrificed during this festival. That would have meant that around two million people thronged to Jerusalem and its suburbs during that period of time. Passover was a time to to mark the victorious march of Israel out of slavery after 430 years. It called to mind the grim day when the exodus began after the will of Pharaoh was broken by the 10th plague, the plague of death, after every firstborn of Egypt died. The Passover reminded the pilgrims that their forefathers in the land of Goshen were passed over by the death angel because the blood of a lamb had been applied to the doorpost and the lintels of Israelite homes, as God had commanded Moses. Now Matthew 2, verses 1 to 11, describe Jesus' final Passover. Let me read it for you. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphagea on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away." This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest!" When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Amen. And I suppose today that right across our country, as many pastors do exactly what I'm doing, that particular portion of Scripture will be read. The Passover is what brought the pilgrims to Jerusalem, from all parts of the Roman Empire to celebrate their D-Day. This was Deliverance Day for them. For us, Deliverance Day will be the day when we can freely associate again. A day when a handshake is okay, and a hug is not the huge risk it's seen to be now. Our church thrives on fellowship. I can see a fellowship marathon at Cornerbrook Baptist when this current threat has run its course and we finally get the all clear to be able to meet again. Now, Jesus had made preparations for this great moment. Three years of ministry had brought him from the heights of popularity to being a hated man. The the religious establishment had long been conspiring against him. They'd secured the help of the Sadducees who they were natural enemies with, and the Herodians and other groups in their plot to kill him. It seems like it would have been discreet of Jesus simply to to quietly slip into Jerusalem, to perform his act of worship, then to leave just as quietly. But this Passover would be his last. Jesus Christ had a divine agenda And he was getting close to the most critical issue on that agenda. The Passover, this Passover, would result in the actual sacrifice of the one who was the Lamb of God. This would be the culmination of all that God desired in order to bring his wayward wayward people back to him again. The slaves had been in bondage long enough. Taskmasters of Sin and woe had dished out enough punishment upon the world and it was time for redemption and the ultimate sacrifice was ready to be offered. Now, On the Sunday before Passover, Jesus uh, Jesus sent two of his disciples on a strange mission. They were to go into a city, find a donkey and her foal, a colt, tied together. They were to take the animals and bring them to Jesus. If any person was to question their act, they were supposed to give a kind of password. Their response was to be, the master needs them. Now, there are people who attach some kind of mystic formula here as though the owner would be struck by some kind of a special moment of revelation. Rather, I think Jesus knew this event would come in his life and very likely had planned for it. This man kept this animal for the day when Jesus would send for it. And Jesus knew this, and that's why he assured his disciples. When you say this, he will send them right away. And There's a special significance in the choice of this animal. Both Mark's and Luke's gospel record that no one had ever ridden on this colt. For the colt, this was to be a new experience. But for the world, this was to be the dawn of a brand new day as well. God has seasoned some of his most noteworthy acts or solemnized events with something new. And Palm Sunday becomes the testimony, again, of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Attested to countless times in prophetic books, Jesus was born of a virgin, a star in the east marked his birth, angelic hosts celebrated his birth, and amazing miracles marked his ministry. It tells us that sacred duty always calls for newness. For Jesus to accomplish his work through us today, he first has to renew us. Jesus indicates this when he talks to Nicodemus by night. He tells the man, you must be born again. You can't get newer than that. Rather than Jesus being embraced within the religious circles of his day with the newness of his teaching, a plot was afoot to kill the one who was the Prince of Peace. God wanted to put new wine in new bottles, but the old ways were resistant to the newness of the way of Christ. Jesus was not interested on Palm Sunday in making a show before throngs of people at Passover time. His actions were more calculated and far more deliberate. For Jesus to ride into Jerusalem was a powerful scriptural and historical lesson to the people of his day. Jerusalem we translate often as the city of peace. But kings generally rode horses as a symbol of their military might. Jesus shows that he's not come to bring a military coup over the Romans. Rather, his gesture is only understood properly against a backdrop of the prophet Zechariah, whose words are in the scripture I read in Matthew. 500 years before Christ, chapter 9 and 9 of Zechariah's prophecy says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. That's the prophetic dimension of Jesus' action. He made the claim to the entire nation by his ride that he is the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the one Isaiah termed as the Prince of Peace. Riding a donkey, Jesus announced that he had not come to to lead a revolution by force. Rather, he'd come to initiate a kingdom of peace Jesus' last ride into the city was to awaken people to their need to allow him to bring the kind of peace they wanted in their lives. And even today, Jesus comes to our lives to give us the peace that, that we need. Here's a question. How many people live in fear of something today? That's a real question for us. When thousands have died and hundreds of thousands are, have been infected, by COVID-19, brand new words in our vocabulary. How many today live in bondage to some sin or some confining habit? How many people see no hope for tomorrow? How many live without the assurance that God's ultimately in control? For some, they just want Jesus to ride a white stallion through their hearts and establish the military reign, tell them what to do and what not to do. That's not the way he works. Jesus comes as he did through Jerusalem in humility. But when we accept the king of peace, we have the only liberty we can possibly find. We can choose to serve him. He rides into our lives to cleanse us so that our worship is not defiled. He comes to cleanse us, to cleanse our temples, to make us, in fact, in New Testament terms, a habitation of the Spirit of God which the Apostle Paul says so often we're to become. Palm Sunday is filled with promise. But it contains a notable last act. This was the day when Jesus announces the character of the kingdom of God. He tried to prepare them for a different Passover as God's lamb would be offered for sin. We need to understand that Jesus is the only way that we can ever have peace with God. He's the only means that we have of being made holy. And that's why Palm Sunday is so important. It initiates a countdown to the triumph of the cross, the glory of the resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There would have been great anticipation for Jesus during this feast. If you read the scriptures, you'll find him clashing with the hostile teachers of law, and refuting their religious arguments. He had chastised them for their pious self-righteousness. He punctuated his, his sermons with miracles of healing and used parables that cut them to the heart. He cleansed the temple in rather dramatic fashion, and his ride into the city is very courageous. The throng came out to meet him, shows his powerful appeal, but it also convinced the religious authorities that they had to end his life. The word and actions of the multitude have become so famous. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But This is not the first time these actions took place or the first time these words were ever spoken. The words that were spoken in fact come from Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26. O Lord, save us, the psalmist wrote. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The word we remember best is the word Hosanna. Those two words that come from Psalm 118 mean save us now. They're not to be translated as hail, for they're far more than just a word to greet Jesus. They represent the cry of an oppressed people for deliverance. Hosanna in the highest should be translated to mean, let even the angels in the highest heights of heaven cry unto God, save us now. It had only been days before when Jesus was nearing Jericho that a blind beggar named Bartimaeus found out that Jesus was passing by. You've probably heard the story before. He cries at the top of his lungs and refuses to be quiet. And his cry is this, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. His really is a solitary cry of Hosanna, Lord save me. Now it was being shouted on Palm Sunday by a cheering multitude. It's a witness of recognition. The blind man knew that there was a Savior for him and he was not about to miss his opportunity when Jesus passed him. The multitude had caught sight of the true king while the reminders of Rome's dominance were all around them. Rome would have laughed to see a humble Galilean ride a donkey while the multitude threw their clothes down and threw down branches of trees. Might have been made for a joke to the centurions and to the soldiers on guard, guard duty at the gates that day. It might have been termed as religious silliness that had to be overlooked. My father was a trainman, a railway employee who on occasion worked a night shift moving around rail cars to make up a train in the now almost forgotten railway freight yards. One night in Basque, Newfoundland, After shunting a few cars around to make up a freight train, he thought he heard a cry in the night. It came from a small cove where a few fishermen tied up their boats. It was close to where the Gulf ferries are still docked. He heard it again, told me the story how he ran to investigate. There in the water was a man who almost certainly would have drowned. He was inebriated and lost his balance And fell into the waters of the small cove at the worst possible time when no one's around at night. He couldn't swim. Probably wouldn't have been long before the icy salt water would have quickly sapped his strength. And his cry was one we are hearing in this passage of scripture. Save me. Somebody save me. There's panic in his voice, my father recalled. And certainly there was fear in his heart. My father quickly untied a small boat there, reached a man before he slipped under the surface. He tried to give my father a sodden $20 bill for saving his life. But dad, of course, refused his money. I realized today this man was crying Hosanna. He needed a savior in that moment. His life was in danger and he couldn't help himself. And I'm amazed with the strength of Jesus' love as I reflect on this. He saw the world floundering like a drowning man without a hope. And he willingly gave himself to rescue us. He rode through Jerusalem in this event we call Palm Sunday to announce deliverance. And a few people saw the sunlight of hope break the darkness of the day they lived in. Seems a little strange but only days later another mob and perhaps some of the same people had taken up the cry of crucify him and crucify him. And we know they did. He became the final Passover lamb that was ever needed. The offering that God himself gave and the offering that God accepted as the only remedy for sins to be washed away. It appears to me today that we are faced with a similar decision today as these pilgrims were with Jesus. The whole message of Easter is that we all need to be rescued. The options remain the same. We can see Christ as our King, the one who can usher peace into our hearts, or we can see him as a mere obstacle which has to be removed from our lives. I pray that our response will be to cry, Hosanna, Lord, save us now. It's fitting in the time in which we live for us to utter those words as our prayer. See, Jesus' last ride on the day we celebrate as Palm Sunday was a milestone of his journey to secure the only but eternal hope for humankind. And I trust today that you take these words to heart and that you make that all important decision if you have not done so already. Can I pray with you as we close today? Father, thank you that as the holiest of all weeks within the Christian calendar begins to unfold. I pray that our hearts will turn towards the amazing sacrifice of Jesus Christ as our savior as the one who has died to give us new life, rose again to proclaim that new new life and promises to be with us each and every day. Through all of the trials that our society is facing at this time, through all of the brokenness and the pain that families are enduring, we pray your peace and your blessing. We cry Hosanna with the multitudes on that day. And thank you that our cry is being heard. We bless you and pray that this Easter will prove to be a blessing for all of us. In Christ's name, amen.